0: Welcome to Atlas, the official podcast of the Monash International Affairs Society. Uh, welcome to Atlas, the official podcast of the Monash International Affairs Society. Um, thank you for joining us today for our Are You OK Day special. Um, before we get into it, I want to tell you a bit about what MIAS is doing at the moment. Um, we've got Monash, our Model UN conference, coming up. Um, registrations are open if you head on over to our Facebook page or to the Monash Facebook page, um, and you can register now. Um, We've also got an event tomorrow with Dr Fabio Sparty, the Deputy Ambassador of the EU to Australia. Um, Again, head on over to our Facebook page and you'll find the link um, that's free for Myers and Mercer students and Monash Faculty of Arts students. Um, And we've also got um, another of the Afghan-Australian intercollegiate debates happening next week, so keep an eye out on our socials for information about that. Um, also, if you have any questions for us or topics you'd like us to talk about, um, please send them to us at the Myers Instagram or Facebook, or comment them below during the stream. Um, we'll be joined later today by our special guest, uh, Krishma Kaliander, for a QA. and a so if you have questions for her, please also write them in the comments section. Um, I'm Georgia Potter, the Communications Officer at Myers, and with me today are Imogen, Kane, and Um I'll let you introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your role at Myers. Hammer, you can go do first?
1: You want to go? Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Hammer. Um, I'm the Vice President of the Monash International Fair Society, so I guess that pretty much sums up my role. Um, but it's been pretty great. i mean, a bit online this year, so it's a bit different, but um, I think Myas has done pretty well so far. So,
2: Cool. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Imogen Kane, and I'm the new socials officer. This is my first event um, at my so I'm really excited <laughs> to begin with a bang and continue um, the rest of the year strong and hopefully uh, have some really fun social events coming up.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, that's very exciting. Welcome, Imogen. Now, to recently um, brought in socials officers, so this is very exciting. Um, So to the theme today is Are You Okay Day, which is today, um, September 10th. Um, And so the theme for Are You Okay Day for 2020 is there's more to say after Are You Okay? Um, And I feel like this is a very important theme. I think it's come up a lot in past Are You Okay Days. It's something we've talked about. So we're just gonna have a bit of a chat about um, are you okay day? What it is? Um, interesting things you might not know about it. How we personally going? How we manage our well-being? Um, what our like personal strategies are? Before we bring on our special guest, so I guess to start off, um, I should we should tell you guys a bit about what Are You Okay Day is. Um, it's not a counselling service or a service provider. Um, it works to provide resources to Australians. Um, and gives, um, tries to give people the confidence they need to navigate a conversation with someone. So making sure we're talking about um, mental health and wellbeing and those issues um, and how to like appropriately give people resources I feel like that's a very important thing. Um, you know, you, we can't all be like full experts, full therapists, licensed therapists, um, but we should be able to know what to say when we need people to be there for us. Um, so I guess, yeah, what does like, are you okay mean to you guys? Like, how do you, what are your feelings on it? Um, yeah. What do you guys think?
1: You can can go, go, (laughs) no, you go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, are you okay day for me means a few things. One, I think it's normalising the conversation of mental health in the community, which we know is really important, um, just because we can't see it physically doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And this day tries to bring awareness to that. Um, Obviously, You Okay Day is just one day of the year, but we should really be doing this every day of the year. However, what's good about it is because there's so much focus on it, people can sort of upskill in a way with all those resources and and sort of feel more confident in taking on that discussion. It can be scary um, if you're concerned about someone and you don't know what to say, you don't want to offend them, you don't want to make them upset but it really is important to check in with each other. And the whole theme of it this year, you know, there's more to say after, are you okay? For me, um, really means you need to listen. You know, we we ask the question, but sometimes we don't listen to the answer. And I think that's really important to do, especially when someone then opens up to you. And checking in and making sure that they're on their own journey um, to finding help, whatever that might be, whether that's just meditation or, you know, re structuring their life a little bit or just talking to you more regularly or whether that's help so it, it's a bunch of things um and especially at the moment with covid being disconnected from everybody I think this year has even more relevance to everyone because we all we all need to you know look out for each other because there's a lot out of our control but talking to each other is in our control so I think that's really important that we we take that step do you want to go hammer
1: Yeah, I think you pretty much summed up most of it really well. Um, But I do agree with you. Um, I think um, what's important about the day is also not just the message, but also the fact that I think a lot of the time there's a lot of events or kind of like community planning or kind of just us here, like talking with each other. And I think it kind of gives a reminder to people to check in. Um, I know when like IOK Day comes up, I personally I'm like, oh, I actually haven't talked to someone in a while. I haven't responded to their message in a while. And so it's kind of like a little check in um, like throughout the year, throughout the time, throughout this time lockdown as well, which I think is also important. and I think another thing that I, I like about it is that it's not only um, a check-in for people around you, but also a check-in for yourself as well. I think um, seeing the words, are you okay, kind of come up, it kind of makes you think as well, um, rather than, like, you actively asking people, but it has that two-fold effect, which I think is important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um it brings up an interesting – um uh, the theme this year um, brings up interesting points about how you should continue to – um have those conversations and make them ongoing and not them just be like reminded by a day of the year and um what those like next steps are and i feel like a good um resources all the are you okay day website if you haven't checked it out do because it's really excellent um we've been posting to our mice instagram and facebook um some of the resources because um are you okay they're setting up a um a four-step um way to like approach um having these conversations which um basically comes down to ask listen encourage action and check in um but you can look at under what that means and um what applies to that on the website or in our socials um but sort of going off what you guys were saying i sort of want to know a bit about what um, your personal, how you've been either um, looking after your own mental health or how you've been approaching reaching out to friends because as you both brought up like at the moment, it's really hard in this pandemic to um, approach like your friendships and relationships the same way as you would normally. Um, and so I know that definitely for me, it's you know like a learning curve trying to figure out how to talk to people and have those conversations using technology or how to have even those just those casual like communal like meetups or one-on-one meetups um it sort of feels weird over zoom or having a phone call when you'd usually you know go out for brunch or something instead so how, what have you guys been doing to sort of combat that during the pandemic do you want to go ahead?
1: Um, you can
2: yeah
1: okay. um i think same way as to how, um, if you're meeting face to face, you'd allocate time to like go out and have a brunch with them. Um, I think one way to do it is just allocate time to actually chat with them or allocate time to, you know, hang out over zoom or something. And I think having a plan kind of makes it seem real and like concrete and that it's like, Oh, it's like, it's something that needs to be done. Something that needs. And I think that's kind of the way I've been going about it. Um, cause messaging on a one-off is great. Um, and but I think taking that next step to actually allocate some time to like listen and actually sit down with them like you would normally do face to face I think is important um to kind of keep that connection going
2: yeah cool um sort of following on from that uh just something my friends and I did yeah we did a kahoot night where we made the kahoot and it was all questions regarding like the friendship of the group so it was all memories (laughs) because we're all high school friends so we had about Seven, eight years to draw upon. So <laughs> we're just bringing back those memories, those embarrassing Year Eight moments um, in a cahoot on a Friday night, which was really nice actually. Because um, sometimes I've noticed over Zoom, a group can be really difficult because everyone sort of it goes silent, and then everyone wants to fill the silence, and then talks over each other. Mm-hmm. Um, can be it can be all over the place. Um, so the Kahoot was actually really good because it was a group of eight people, so that worked really well. Um, but you're right, Hammer. setting time, actually sort of scheduling it just like you would anything else. Um, make sure that it doesn't get pushed to the back, um, which I think is really important. And messaging people that I haven't spoken to in a while and I keep telling myself, oh, I need to catch up with them, oh, I should check in, and I just never did. And I've actually I sat down one night and just messaged all of those people and it felt really great to get those messages back. Um, there's those friends always that you don't speak for 12 months um, but then you do a little message and it's like no time has passed. It's really nice to keep those friendships alive. Um, so that, that's something I did that I found really rewarding.
0: Yeah, and I absolutely agree. I feel like there are definitely um, friends that I have who I don't usually communicate with via technology. They're the friends that, you know, if I have, like, a deep and meaningful conversation or any sort of conversation, it's always in person. Um, And then there are friends who, like, I communicate we've often via technology anyway. Um, and so it's sort of been like me being becoming aware about, oh, I still have to make an, like an effort to reach out to those people, even though it's not our usual way of communicating. I've also been doing like with our uh, group of high school friends have been doing like game nights. I feel like Fall Guys have gotten really popular. Um, we've been playing Among Us, which is a bit like full of like deceit and trickery and lies, which is fun. Um, so I definitely think, yeah, finding those things that suit Um, groups, specific groups of people and family as well. Um, It's also really important to reach out um, to family, whether it be for like birthdays or whether it just be like an off a certain day of the week. Um, Yeah. Like scheduling is really important. We've been doing like certain games on certain nights with my group of friends um, and you don't always have to be there because we're doing them often enough and there's enough of us. Um, But it's always good to know that it is there. and you've got that like support group and it's always scheduled so it's always consistent um that's really lovely um what about personally what have you guys have you guys picked up any hobbies or anything to look after your own um well-being at the moment
1: um i think like i mean i I brought this up with you guys well well like yesterday but i think during like this lockdown period I feel like there's like this push on like being productive and like always doing every single hobby you can because now you've got all the time to do it but and so I kind of started doing that but then I realized I really just needed rest and just like time to myself and like to think so I don't think I've done anything like amazing or anything like really grand or anything but it's like really little things like actually getting up and like getting dressed and like not being in pajamas or work clothes I think that kind of helps like get your day started um also just like um like lighting a candle or like I don't know just like really really small things um I don't know I feel like um during like normal times I would probably be found in a cafe like you drinking coffee eating brunch kind of stuff and I guess all those little things that I enjoyed has had to be replaced with other little things but in my home so I think finding that um replacement is I think what was key for me
2: yeah, I completely relate to the productivity comment. Um, I have, I don't know why I decided to fill all my spare time with other stuff. You know, I'm volunteering for t- two more organisations. I'm now socials officer. I'm now a mentor in a program. So I don't know what I <laughs> was thinking, but um, I think because I just thought, well, I'm home, I've got to just stay busy. And so I sort of overloaded my schedule a little bit. Um, by just signing up to everything and anything that came my way. And, it, you know, it's getting to a point where I'm like, I can't I can't actually manage this insane timetable. Um, so then I was, you know, talking to mum. That, that was a nice little chat. Stay stay in touch with your mum, everybody. <laughs> um, but we've decided to implement self-care Sundays. So on Sunday, it's like my day. Um, you know, it's, you know, your self- you just take care of yourself so whether that's from cleaning your room or um baking something you really want to bake and it takes a lot of time or washing your hair or doing a face mask or watching a tv show whatever it might be for you um that's what i've been doing on sundays which sort of helps force rest it's almost scheduling rest which i think um, <laughs> works for me i don't know if that works for everyone else oh but <laughs> i'm a schedule person i'm a routine person As you said, getting dressed into, you know, actual clothes, uh, making a bed and having breakfast and sort of keeping a routine I found really helpful. Um, But, yeah, you know, we don't always get it right, do we, you know? So being too busy wasn't working, so we have to adjust. Um, So I'm in that process of adjustment, which I think is going to be really good. And lastly, um, I've been baking a lot and I've been reading a lot, and I found those two things really awesome. (laughs) I'm enjoying getting back into them
0: yeah i think you both bring up that important point about productivity and i know for me something i'm not good for like scheduling rest because i'm just not good with schedules (laughs) i'm a procrastinator so i feel like something that i've discovered that's been really useful is um for me personally um which is obviously not going to work for everyone is i've found myself adopting like hobbies like not like they don't have to be pieces of art or, you know, I'm not Shakespeare writing King Lear during a pandemic, don't listen to those tweets. You don't have to do anything productive during this time. In fact, it's harder to do these things now than it is in normal time when your brain is working properly. Um, But something that I found really useful is picking up hobbies that don't require any brain work. They're not leading to an ultimate goal, um, but they're something productive for me to do either with my hands or, with like you know without using much brain power instead of just looking at my phone and playing like tetris or some game on my phone um so i've started like knitting this um yarn i'm terrible at knitting i haven't done it for years i just looked at a youtube tutorial but it doesn't matter because i'm not like making something i'm just like knitting so even if i'm sitting and like watching tv or sitting around um with my housemates here i just will just start knitting because it just like calms me down because it feels like i'm doing something But it doesn't have to be for something there's no pressure um another thing like one of my housemates bought like lego and one day we just like all four of us like just sat around and we're just like building lego and it was like i'm being creative there's no pressure like it was just one day where we literally all four of us were just like we need just a lego day Um, and it was really relaxing um so i feel like having those things where there's no pressure um it's it's that other form of self-care so instead of you know you can be giving yourself a face mask you can be baking i have done a bit of baking too but i think it's that idea of being like this doesn't have to go anywhere you don't have to be productive you're just doing something for you um and i feel like that is so important right now um and yeah that's something that's really helped me um i want to move on just to share something quickly um we were really Fortunate to have a video sent in by an expert from Monash um, that we can share with you now. Um, Dr. Craig has said um, he's an associate professor uh, and a senior lecturer at the Department of General Practice, um, where he's been teaching at both undergraduate and postgraduate levels since 1989. He's also a co- coordinator of mindfulness programs at Monash Uni. Um, he's been instrumental in introducing a variety of innovations. Um, into medical education and practice in Australia and overseas with an emphasis on the application of holistic, integrative and mind-body medicine in medical practice. Um, He's done a lot of things. He's regularly invited to speak and run courses in Australia and overseas. Um, He writes regularly for medical journals and has published 10 books. Um, So I'm going to share a video he kindly made for us now. and you can watch, and we'll also post it to the MIS page um, shortly. Um, Lovely. Let me just.
3: Um, my name is Craig Hassett, and uh, I'm the coordinator of mindfulness programs at Monash University. A big hello to mias and especially with this upcoming R U OK Day. Looking after our mental health is important at any time, but I think 2020 would have to rank right up there as being uh probably the most challenging year that anybody can remember. So looking after our mental health is important for us, but being there for other people, supportive to other people really matters as well. And not just as individuals, but as communities and as countries indeed. So we're all in this together. We all have the opportunity to, to learn and grow from trying times like these. We all have the opportunity to support each other, in which case we will tend to feel better as well ourselves i have a very strong interest in mindfulness and you might find that mindfulness is a pretty useful strategy for helping you to get through now uh, to be alone you know when shut down for example but to be mindful at the same time we can enjoy the solitude without feeling in isolation to be alone and uh, to not be mindful means we can rattle around inside our minds a lot and feel quite a lot of isolation. So mindfulness can be a very good thing to help us to cope with these challenging times, to stay on task with the things we want to do, the studies, the things we're interested in, to be able to connect better to others and to really manage our mental health. So are you okay? Well, I think that one of the really valuable things we can learn to do is to be mindful. And if you want to learn more about that, there's plenty on mindfulness at uh, Monash. Have a look at all the great programs the resources uh, that are all free and in particular there's a free online course developed at Monash on the FutureLearn platform called Mindfulness for Wellbeing and Peak Performance and that's going live again on October 5 so I really highly commend that to you um, that and its companion course we developed at Monash as well are the two top-ranked online mindfulness courses in the world so um, th- we know that they've had uh, a lot of um, benefits for a lot of people who have done those Thank you, and um, I just wish you all the best for Are You Okay Day and everything that comes after that. And uh, and let's move forward, grow through these challenging times, and really put what we've learned this year to great effect for twenty twenty one as well.
0: Awesome. So, um, thank you so much for to Dr. Craig Hassid for sending that in. Um, It absolutely, I think, is very relevant right now. Um, Make sure we'll be posting that video to the MySpace book page if you want to have another watch and if you would like to um, check out those details. Um, A lot of interesting things to say about mindfulness um, during the pandemic, which um, we already sort of touched on but I think is very important about how to, and um, I think this is an excellent resource, this online platform, if you are a Monash student, um, to get sort of that expert opinion. Um, We also have some um, interesting statistics that I don't know if you guys want to have a readout of some of those um, stats um, from Beyond Blue and from OK and Headspace and the resources. Um, I probably should preface by saying, um, again, we will be posting um, list of resources but um, if you need to um, there are plenty of um, phone lines and websites that you can access 24 um, 7 if you're really struggling lifeline is oh, sorry, one four. that's 131114 or lifeline.org.au you can also go to the kids helpline men's line beyond blue or the suicide callback service um, or are you slash find help i'll be posting that in the comments right now um yeah so i guess what if you guys want to share some of the statistics that you found and things that you found interesting in your research for are you okay there?
2: do you mind if i go hammer yeah go for it Wonderful. Um, There's just one in particular that I think really um, struck me. I found it very interesting. I had heard it before, but um, I want to share it with everyone. It's that over 75% of mental health issues occur before the age of 25. And I think that really sort of um, brings attention to how important it is for young people to participate um, in You OK? Day and for young people to talk to each other and seek services. There are so many dedicated just for young people. Um, As you mentioned there was Kids Helpline but also universities such as Monash provide services and free counselling. Headspace I know has many uh, youth related um, services available. So I think that was just really interesting um, that these early years of our lives, especially for the three of us, it's quite relevant, um, are so formative. And I think we all need to really be, um, you know, checking in with each other um, and making sure we're all okay. And um, I do want to acknowledge this particular issue as well, um, because suicide continues to cause the largest loss of life of young people in Australia, Um, you know, Unfortunately, I'm sure we all know someone or know of someone that um, has committed suicide and that itself is telling. Um, Someone at my school did and I know many other schools have the same um, story. So I think it's really important to be talking about this because it does affect young people and the experiences um, as a young person then continue on into life. So I found that really interesting um, and sort of really important to me for this day.
1: Um, for me, I think yeah, um for me, I think um the statistic that we somebody shared with um between ourselves um is that certain groups in society um are more at risk of having mental health issues. So that includes um Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, members of the LGBTQIA plus community, multicultural people, um as well. Um and something that I think I wanted to bring up was that it also says that people who have experienced racial discrimination tend to have um, like higher risk as well of of, um, I guess developing mental health issues and I think during this time in lockdown I think that's something that we should all focus on because um, I'm not sure if everybody knows but a lot of international students um, are struggling at the moment they are they can't go home and they don't have access to a lot of the resources that um, a lot of the permanent residents and Australian citizens do at the moment um, and a lot of them obviously live by themselves as well so that's something I think we should all um, be more aware about but also I guess during the whole COVID situation there has also been like a rise in I guess um, discrimination I guess like um, racial profiling and stereotypes um, as well about like who started the pandemic and like all that kind of rhetoric and i think that's also impacted a lot of um international students and a lot of people who i guess identify with that um i guess that culture or identify with that race so yeah
0: yeah um yeah and i think we've there are plenty of resources please i've linked the OK that lists a bunch of different resources below um, i'm also just gonna bring up because i found this is an interesting um resource for people who are specifically struggling from um the coronavirus pandemic. Um, there's a dedicated online community forum that Beyond Blue has set up. Um, there's a phone number, but there's also a website that I am about to link below. Um, cool. Uh I think now um, we're about to bring on our special guest, um, which is very exciting, uh, who is Karishma um She's an occupational therapist and community engagement and development officer at Headspace. Um, she is also an elected councillor for the city of Liverpool in New South Wales. Uh, she has over ten years of experience working with young people, particularly in the university sector. She has worked with a broad range of people and communities to reach their potential. With experience in mental health, paediatrics, disability services, and OHS. currently she works closely with the youth reference group to further the aims of Headspace, um, the Youth Mental Health Initiative. She builds relationships with various internal and external stakeholders to facilitate access to help for young people experiencing distress in South West Sydney. Um, so without further ado, I'm adding Krishma to the screen. Hello.
3: Thank Hi, you so much for joining
0: us. Um, um, so do you want to sort of introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your role at Headspace and why you're interested in um, youth mental health?
3: Sure,
4: sure, absolutely. So, um, as you kind of identified, um, my my day job is with Headspace uh, here in Southwest Sydney, um, in um, a sort of outer um, suburban place called Campbelltown, and um, my role basically involves um, being the bridge between what happens inside the centre and um, you know young people out in the community. So, um, most of my day job involves going out to um, to schools, to events, to um, to anywhere where young people are at, to um, to try and break down the barriers to accessing mental health services. And um, in our our particular part of the world, there are quite a few barriers. So on top of um, you know stigma, on top of lack of awareness, there's also um, geographical barriers. Um, we're a really fast growing community here in um, in Campbelltown and Camden, and um, that. That means that a lot of young people may have moved from other parts of New South Wales, other parts of Australia, or even overseas, and um, they may not be so familiar with what services are available. And what often happens with young people is that um, if you don't really know what box the issues that you're going through Um, Fits into it makes it that much harder to um, to know what an appropriate service to connect into is and that's part of the um, The beauty of the headspace model So we're an early intervention service for young people aged between 12 and 25 Which means that um, any headspace center that you go go to around the country will have access to services um, around mental health and wellbeing, physical and sexual health alcohol and other drugs and vocational study and work related support and that's very deliberate because often what you're going through um, may fit into one of those categories or it may cross over into all four so it doesn't matter whether you know um, you know what what specifically is going on or if you've just got a lot on your plate headspace is a really um, useful kind of first port of call or an entry point to then figuring out where to go to next so um the, I guess, you know, especially for international students um, and those who may not have uh, permanent residency or citizenship, um, Headspace is a free service that can also be accessed by those who don't have, have Medicare. So, um, you know, that's, that's, we found that very useful because we have two, university, uh, two universities within our, our region and, um, and therefore a lot of international students as well.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, we're going to do a Q&A section, so um, please comment questions below if you have any questions. Um, but to start off, um, we would just like to start off by asking um, something we've discussed is that, um, well, we haven't yet, but we're going to, um, is that during this pandemic, there's been a greater focus on mental health and its services in the media and government response. Um, we were wondering if this current pandemic has shined a light on how important it is that these services are accessible and affordable in any circumstances. So, for example, also with something like the bushfires and just natural disasters as well as global pandemics and, like, what's the importance of headspace in these times? Mm.
4: Um, you raise a really, really good point. And I think um, the, the, the light that's been shone on um, and mental health and wellbeing during times of crisis, during times of change um, has really kind of flow, um, flowed on from the, the bushfires that we had um, sort of last summer. And because of the distressing nature of the images that were broadcast onto our TV and the impact on so many people within our communities um, the the sort of the awareness of the impact of those things on our mental health has obviously kind of been steadily growing. This pandemic um, has in some ways uh, been very unprecedented in terms of And um, I guess what's been happening behind the scenes that not many people really know of is that um, the the kind of increased attention and and resources that you see coming into the mental health and wellbeing space from the media and the government is the result of a lot of uh, lobbying and advocacy on part of um, mental health and wellbeing organisations like Headspace, like Beyond Blue, and Lifeline, and, and that sort of thing, to kind of highlight that link between what's happening in our in our broader world, whether that is um, you know in terms of our individual routines and our ability to kind of connect with our support networks and with our our you know our usual uh, routines. And also, you know, the, the global impact of things like bushfires and, and pandemics and, and um, you know, fa- factors that affect a lot of people, not just individuals. So it's, it's been a long time coming, I think, but it is also because of uh, a growing um, awareness of the statistics when it comes to the impact of these sorts of things on the, the mental health and wellbeing of young people.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. We've got a um, guest question, which I'll go to now from Envita, who's asked, thank you for speaking to um, with Myers today, Krishma. Um, this is a really important conversation. Do you have any tips for supporting encouraging friends to seek mental health support, particularly due to the hesitation many young people have to reach out and seek support?
4: Thank you so much for your question anita um and obviously, given it's are you okay day today that's a very topical one generally um when you think about that conversation of asking someone you know whether they're okay um and supporting your friends and family, there's a few sort of uh things that uh, to consider there um and the The first thing is um how you the context of how you're asking them whether they're okay um and, you know, kind of checking in with them. Um, One thing I like to say to school school groups that I talk to is compare the response that you get when you ask someone um, whether they're okay in the middle of a crowded room, say at a party or, uh, you know, uh, in the middle of a cafe or something like that, versus if you um, sort of speak to them in a more private, quiet space. So, environment is very important in terms of reaching out to um, to friends and, and and you know someone that you're con- concerned about. I know currently with the the nature of the restrictions um, in Melbourne. It's, it's quite difficult, obviously, to sort of um, see people face to face have, to have that conversation. And so when you're thinking about the context of asking that question, um, identifying something specifically that you have noticed about your friend or um, or the person that you care about um, can show them that you have noticed, can show them that you're coming from a place of concern. So, for example, if um, generally you and a, you and your friend check in with each other every day every couple of days and you notice that they seem more down or that they seem like they haven't slept in a number of days or you know that they're less chatty or or whatever than usual Um, it's useful to identify that and actually kind of name what it is that's concerned you so that it's not um, it's it's not just are you asking are you okay for the sake of asking are you okay So um, looking at the context of how you ask that question is really important. And once you do ask that question, um, be aware that um, the first few times that you ask someone whether they're all right or um, or whether they need support, they may not necessarily immediately open up to you. So um, giving them that space to say, I don't really wanna talk about it right now but letting them know that you are there when they're ready to open up. So, you know, giving them the giving them the impression that um, you're okay for them to set the terms of, of that conversation and and have that ownership over seeking help is is really important because sometimes when you kind of try and push someone into, um, into kind of disclosing whether or not they're okay, it can actually kind of have the opposite of the intended effect. So giving them that space to kind of have that conversation on their own terms is, is really important important and encouraging support so um, acknowledging that you know you may not necessarily be a therapist or you know a trained professional or or whatnot but you're happy to kind of support them where you can so you don't need to have all of the answers and it's okay to say that it's okay to say look I may not have all of the answers but I'm happy to kind of um, you know have your back support you um, you know help you identify what is um, you know the next step that sort of thing. So it's okay to admit that, you know, you're not going to have all of the answers and, and you're not expected to either. Um, and finally, it's um, it, it can be, A really uh, another kind of way of showing that you care to check in after the fact so if you have had a conversation if if your friend has identified what it is that's concerning them or what it is that's on their mind um, checking in with them a couple of days or um, you know a day afterwards and saying look I know we did have a bit of a um, you know a deep conversation yesterday I just wanted to kind of you know check in with you see how you're feeling um, you know how has how your day been, those sorts of things. So those are sort of generally um, some really good things to, to keep in mind when you're supporting a family, family member or friend. Um, and especially at the moment where so much of our lives is online and digital and, um, you know, there, there's a real sense of Zoom fatigue. Um, don't underestimate the impact of good old-fashioned ways of communicating which which may be helpful um, two of my my best friends um, live down in Melbourne and the other day when I heard that the restrictions were going to be extended um, I sent them a care package with a handwritten card and um, some adult coloring books because um, you know sometimes you just want to disconnect from the screen and you it's, it's not something that you want to do 12 hours a day or 24 hours a day or or whatever it might be so you know sometimes going back to analog communications
2: can actually you know be helpful amazing thank you for that answer Um, i'm just going to follow up with another question um you're talking about the times that we're in at the moment and this question relates to that Uh, a lot of us are glued to our tvs or our screens Mm -hmm. to stay up to date with what's going on so keeping that in mind how can the 24-hour news cycle impact us and do we need to implement regular digital detoxes and then how do you balance that with staying up to date with restrictions and information that is really important so how do we balance staying informed and also um, our mental health and sort of taking time away from our screens
4: yeah absolutely well digital fatigue um, and being overwhelmed is a real thing. And a lot of people are experiencing that at the moment because of, um, you know, because of, of the, the unique circumstances that we're in. And so, um, that, that question of how do we balance being um, on top of what's going on versus you know keeping ourselves well and sane and you know ready to face the next day is is a really important consideration and and every person is um, going to be a little bit different in terms of what works for them and so um, what you mentioned before about having a digital detox that is a um, a really fantastic thing to do regularly so um a digital detox can some uh, sometimes um it can be framed as um doing a bit of a Marie Kondo of of your um of your social media feed um so if it doesn't bring you joy then you probably don't want to um you probably don't need to be following it so um Keeping keeping a regular, um, keep, keeping your, your feed regularly, um, I guess, uh, mindful of what it is that sort of is actually um, keeping you calm and well and is actually helping you rather than um, contributing to a sense of anxiety or unease is, is a really important thing. So constantly asking yourself that question, did I really need to know this? Did I really, um, you know, was this something that really um, made my day better? Um, is a really good thing to do regularly with all social media platforms that you're on and setting yourself some boundaries around your engagement. So um, most phones now have this really nifty thing um, which uh, you know tells you how much screen time you've had every day. Um, usually when I look at it I feel incredibly guilty. About how much screen time I've actually had, um, and so it might it might take you know a couple of goes to get into a routine of of sticking to your boundaries. So even if you kind of say, look, I'm only going to have four hours of screen time a day, um, and you don't necessarily stick to that every single day or whatnot, don't beat yourself up about it because it's a um, it's it's a fluid situation. Um, but as long as you kind of have a bit of a target and you're working towards that. Um, that's that's the main thing. Um, so in terms of keeping informed, probably the best thing to do is to kind of, um, you know, s- plan where it is that you are going to get your information from. So um, generally identifying trusted news sources um, that will keep you up to date with um, what the, you know, what the latest um, situation is. So for example, if it's the ABC, it's a particular department or, you know, whatever it is that you're, you're following that you know will give you the most accurate and up-to-date news and just leaving it at that. You don't need to follow everything all of the time. The 24-hour news cycle has a lot to answer for when it comes to contributing to this sense of, of needing to be, you know, on top of what's going on every single moment of the day but um, just kind of being gentle with yourself and, and sort of saying, okay, well, even if I check in with the news, you um, twice a day or, you know, once in the morning, once at lunchtime and once in the evening. Just kind of having some of those points in terms of what your boundaries are going to be and how you're going to stick to them. Because um, it can, it, one of the things one that i Sorry of just hearing my own voice in um in, in the sound. Um, one of the one of the things that I found is that um, often we kind of um, hop onto social media and and just you know mindlessly scroll through our our feeds when we're kind of bored, when we don't really necessarily have um, other things to distract ourselves with as well. So having a bit of a routine and a structure to your day, even if it is you know. In the morning, I'm gonna try and, and do these things. In the afternoon, I'm gonna try and do these things. And then before I go to bed, I'm gonna try and do these things. Or I'm gonna try and get up at this time and I'm gonna try and go to bed at this time. So having some, some sort of structure to your day can really help minimise the amount of time where you're just kind of like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I don't really know what else to do, so I'm just I'm gonna hop on social media now. So hopefully that, that's got some, some helpful tips.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I feel like you. the biggest revelation for me was, like, blocking and meeting on Twitter. I don't have to see things that, yes. like, cross my boundaries. I can just, like, not deal with it, and I can just follow reliable news sources. Um, We've got to the be- end. Oh, sorry, and just one last thing.
4: Also really, really important just to kind of keep reminding yourself that just because it's so it's on social media doesn't mean that it's true. Because most of the things on there are not <laughs> no that's
1: that's 100 percent true. Um, I have a question um, and my question is how do you find that balance of looking after yourself but also wanting to help your friends at the same time
4: there's a really um and, and you know what that's a that's a fantastic question because we all we all sort of. Um, are in times where we you know where we may not necessarily feel ourselves or our best but we're also Mm -hmm. concerned about others in our in our lives as well um and there's a really good um good good quote that I think sort of um summarizes that which is you can't draw from an empty well so if you are not um if, if, you, if, if you're if you not able to kind of have a pool of energy and, um, I guess, enthusiasm and, and things like that to draw from in yourself, then it is going to be even harder to try and support someone else. So um, it's very, very important, obviously, to, to check in consistently with yourself, make sure that you're feeling um, well and that you're, I guess, kind of, um, even if it's not necessarily well all the time, if you have a sense of, um, okay, I can, I can get through this, I'm, I'm going to be able to sort of take the next step um, before you're able to kind of, um, you know, try and support someone else through. Um, sometimes it can actually be a point of, um, you know, point of commonality, a point of connection to, um, to, to sort of say, this is how I'm feeling, is, is this how you're feeling as well? So it can actually be um, a way of supporting each other
2: Great. Thank you. Um, Now we're going to switch to one of the questions from a listener. So this is from Michelle. Um, The question is, how can we deal with mental burnout now that we can't really separate the workplace from our home, which I think is a really um, relevant topical question since my mom is literally on the other side of the house, um, doing work, which is why I'm on my mobile hotspot. So um, not only is there internet clashing, but also, yeah, how do we um, sort of look after ourselves when those boundaries between work and home and sort of uh, work and play, if you like, um, are no longer there?
4: Yes. And this is such an important question precisely because of, of, um, of what you just said. The, ba- the boundaries that we have between different parts of our lives are so blurred and so the emotions that we generally kind of feel in one environment to another are, are, are blurred as well and it really is a shock to the system um because if it, it almost feels like some of this stuff is encroaching on our safe space so if your home is your um is your place of calm or um flip side if you're um, if your workplace was your place of calm, um, then to have, um, you know, different, different parts of your life encroach on that is an incredibly different thing to do. Um, and this is one of those, I, I think this is one of those things where we have to be a little bit more assertive in our boundaries. So um, being able to kind of draw the line between, you know, what your working hours are for example or you know what spaces that you will work out of or whatever then they may seem small but they contribute to that sense of I guess having some ownership over your space and and over the different aspects of your life um, because one of the one of the things that we see is when you feel like you are at the mercy of your working hours or you know where you're required to do certain tasks and things like that it it contributes to to that sense of powerlessness that um can you know can affect our well-being and can also um be a real contributor to mental burnout so um actually kind of um Thinking about for yourself what are the appropriate boundaries or what what are the barriers that you want to put in place between the different parts of your life so that you can you can then kind of be more more assertive in in maintaining those um i i know that some people kind of um particularly if you are in um more of a kind of uh, working from uh, if you if you're working from home and if you have um, you know things that are coming into your inbox at all hours of the day um, and and night because you know other people find it great that they can work at you know at all hours of the day um, it can be really really um, disconcerting to kind of you know, have a bit of a routine for yourself and then, you know, check your phone or check your email and have all of this stuff that you potentially need to do and then potentially have that anxiety kind of with you overnight um, and then until the next day. So if you have, just doing some small things like um, putting in an, uh, you know, an auto response onto your email, for example, um, saying that these are the hours of when I will be checking my emails. That can be super helpful in terms of um, uh, managing other people's expectations of what your time is structured around and, and what your capacity to respond and, and and give are going to be like, um, in terms of family, especially now that you know we're all at home, that can and that can be a little bit more difficult. But again, being very clear with family members around, um, for example. Um, you know, when when you're in a meeting that can't be interrupted, for example. So if you've got like a, a sign that you can do up um, that you can say, you know, in a Zoom meeting or in a teleconference or whatever, you know, back at 12.30 or, you know, something like that that kind of gives um, other people a sense of where you're at and what you're doing so that they um, are not necessarily encroaching into your space and becomes a source of frustration. Um, I feel like this particular time is... Um, very much around managing other people's expectations of your capacities and your, um, you know, where you're at, um, as well as kind of being a bit more of an advocate for yourself when it comes to what your boundaries are.
1: Thanks, thanks for that answer. now we've got a question from um harini who's been listening in she says she's got a bit of a broad one but um as a person of color how do we get about dismantling some of the stigmas and barriers that are often associated with mental health and well-being in communities of color
4: oh that's that's a big question um a bit of a tough question as well um because there are a lot of um there are a lot of different factors in terms of um, barriers that uh, maybe facing um, people of colour and communities of colour as well. I think one of the the um, positive aspects of having mental health and wellbeing, um, at, you know, front and centre of the national conversation at the moment is that that message is getting to um, to to everyone, to all communities, regardless of whether they're mainstream or um, or communities of colour. And so, um, that may be helpful in some ways in terms of starting a conversation, in terms of um, you know unpacking some of those um, some of those un- unsaid things that are often part and parcel of um, if, if you know things that communities of color are comfortable talking about, and those that they're not comfortable talking about. But it could also um, draw up some some negative things in terms of you know further reinforcing. so um, one of the uh, one of the things that um, that we've done here at Headspace in Campbelltown we have a, um, a very uh, multicultural community here and as, as I mentioned before we have a very quickly growing community um, one of our largest uh, communities of color is um, the Pacific Island community and what we did was um, really. Uh, Try and, and be a space to bring together different parts of, um, of the community to kind of, um, you know, provide a, you know, a space where they could have a conversation about what it is that they needed from us, what it is that they needed from other service providers, um, and what some of the, the barriers within the community were. And and the, the you know the step after having that conversation is to show that you've really listened and to actually take action on some of the recommendations that um, the Pacific Island community made to us. Um, an example of, of this is you know actually having um, a Pacific Island worker who um, was able to um, understand some of the cultural context and some of the um, you know the impacts on young people um, and you know. Provide service to young people who needed it. Now this could go two ways because for some, um, from some people from a different cultural background, having um, you know a clinician. That kind of gets some of the cultural context and and some of the barriers and stigmas and things like that can can be a ben- beneficial thing, but for others it can actually be quite a scary thing because the thought is, oh my god, are you going to tell um, my parents or my cousins or you know other people that I know? Um, how does confidentiality work, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So it could, it could go either way, but the important thing is to have that choice so that the young person can make that um, that decision about what is right for them. So if they prioritize having someone that understands the cultural um, context of where they're coming from versus um, you know, that, that the fear of, of lack of confidentiality or um, you know being judged by someone from the same same cultural background. So I think um, there's there's no right answer in how we go about dismantling that. That's an example of what we've done within our local community. Um, but it has to be something that comes from communities of color uh, themselves. It can't be something that's imposed, um, because that sadly that's what we see um, with a lot of initiatives that are well intentioned, but are ultimately not successful because um, they don't feel organic, they don't feel right, and they don't feel like um, you know it's 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 something that has been um, come from a place of empowerment from from that community.
0: yeah thank you and thanks already for that question um we're running out of time but we've got one more question from a listener um we sort of covered a lot of it but it's from james who asked um he's really enjoying the conversation uh, he's asking from a student perspective. We're all staying home, twenty-three hours the day, and doing the right thing. I think he means twenty-four anyway, and should, in theory, a piece of time to study. Yet, I find myself leaving my assignments late and struggle to do all my readings and lectures, lectures. sometimes. I feel a huge lack of motivation that I think comes from negative thinking and the, about the case numbers or world news. Do you find this common across young people during the age of COVID nineteen? Leslie, thank you so much um, for the question,
4: James. I think it's a really, really important. Um, important one because um, it is something that so many young people are saying to me at the moment um, that you know their motivation has taken a massive nosedive um, because as you as you say theoretically there's heaps of time to do all of these things and you know um, I I think I saw this video the other day um where it was you know the first part of it was expectation of what i would be doing during COVID restrictions which is you know learning a language doing all of this like really impressive um skill building stuff but then the reality is that you're spending um a lot of time um doing things that um just make you feel better in that moment which is um for me i know i spent a lot of time during restrictions um watching k-dramas because um it was something that just made me feel a lot better in, in that moment. And so um, uncertainty can have a huge impact on our motivation levels. And that's potentially why you're, um, you're feeling a huge lack of motivate motivation as well as what you've identified in terms of just um, what seems like an overwhelming flood of, um, of negative news and a focus on case numbers and, um, you know, arguments and, and things like that. It just seems like there's not that, that, positivity that lends itself to hope which lends itself to kind of feeling empowered and and motivated to do the things that um, you feel like you should be doing and I think given the situation at the moment it's really important to take a step back and be kind to yourself and sort of say look um, this is not something that you know most people have any anyone really before this year thought would happen or was familiar with um and so there's no right way to to handle restrictions there's no right way to handle um you know having having a global pandemic happen at, at, at this particular point in time so um so yeah i hope that sort of that that i hope that sort of helps um answer your question Motiv- lack of motivation is, is very very common um so yourself um a little bit of slack and um and it's it's okay
0: yeah thank you um we've it's one o'clock so we have to go but thank you so much for yeah. krishna for joining us um that was really great to hear from an expert um i think we all sort of needed it thanks for our listeners for asking questions um before you go krishna i just wanted to quickly ask um, what services are available at Headspace for young people? And if you've never used those resources before and you don't know where to start uh, or you want to support a friend but don't know how to go about it, what's the way to like get in touch? What's the first steps? Yep, so,
4: um, so there's about 110 Headspace sites all around the country, um, and you can really easily search for which one is yours by the, the Headspace website, which is headspace.org.au. Um, at the moment, uh, most services are being done by telehealth, which is either by Zoom or, um, or over the phone. And we also have... Um, we also have what's called eHeadspace, which is where you can um, where you can access help through the um, the web chat function. So um, that's that's usually meant to be a little bit of a um, an easier entry point into services. So if you're not quite sure about whether you want to sort of um, you know see a clinician one on one initially, and you'd prefer to kind of have a chat to someone to get the ball rolling, that's perhaps um, you know a place to start. I mentioned before that. Um, all Headspace sites have, um, have those four core streams of services, which is mental health and wellbeing, physical and sexual health, Alcohol and other drugs, and uh, vocational work and study-related support. Um, I know for a lot of um, for a lot of students, in particular, you're probably working in industries that have been hugely impacted by the COVID restrictions. So, as we come out of um, of the COVID restrictions, and as we sort of look at you know what's next, um, and working might be one of your goals, or finding work might be one of your goals. Uh, Headspace also has what's called a digital work and study support program, which you can access through the website. As well and that's where you can um you can access a career consultant or a or, or, or a specialist who will help you kind of go through um things like you know goal setting planning your, your your strategy when it comes to finding work um and and trying to kind of maintain your enthusiasm and your um and your kind of um expectations when it comes to the the job search process as well so um the the there's all different types of services depending on what stage you're at. What is the most um, relevant thing for you at the moment? Um, and we also have um, some great. Uh, some of our centres have some great TikTok accounts. So um, if you would, if if that's kind of um, you know something that will help. Reduce that barrier to access. Um, we also have um, Instagram and Facebook, which you can, um, which you can sort of follow in order to kind of keep in touch with um, some strategies that might help you, and um, you know some some numbers and things that might kind of uh, again perform an entry point to accessing services.
0: Amazing. Um. Thank you so much. That's great. Um, A reminder again that we've um, linked some important resources if you need help in the comments below. Um, Thank you so much again, Karishma, for coming on. Um, It was wonderful to hear from you. Um, Thank you to Hannah and Imogen for joining me for this episode and thank you for all our listeners. Um, Once again, I'm just going to promote our upcoming events. We have Monash, our Model UN Conference. We have a roundtable with Fabio Spardi, the EU Deputy Ambassador to the EU to Australia. And we have another intercollegiate debate um, between Monash and some students from Afghan Progressive Thinking. Um, follow our socials and you can find out all about that. Thank you so much again, Krishma, for coming. We'll be back next week on Tuesday. Um, yeah, and I think that's it. See you, everybody. Thank stay you safe. so much for having me.
4: Um, stay safe, all the very best. And know that you're not alone. There are services that are uh, and although this is a really trying time for, for most people, um, it is something that we will hopefully get through together. So, if you are struggling, please reach out for help um, because there's, there's services like Headspace um, and others that are out there to to you know to help you through.
0: We hope you enjoyed that episode of Atlas. Atlas is the official podcast of the Monash International Affairs Society, or MIAS. MIAS is an apolitical student society at Monash University, Clayton, that works towards establishing a network for students passionate about international affairs and relations. To become a member, to get access to MIAS perks and events, such as our Model United Nation workshops our roundtables featuring experienced diplomats and our fun social events, go to portal.msa.monash.edu. Sign in, go to Buy Club Membership, select MIAS and fill out your personal details. You can follow Myas on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn, all of which are linked in the description, or visit our website at myas.org.au. If you have a question from today's episode or are interested in appearing on a future episode, please send an email to communications at myas.org.au. Thanks for listening. See you next time.